Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where new signings are guaranteed a great debut. Join and choose your welcome offer at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hello and welcome. I'm Erin Cuthbert, footballer for Chelsea and the Scotland national team. And you're listening to the Blue Day podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, folks, this is the Blue Day podcast. And for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, Keith Lawrence. Joining us this week is an old friend of the show. To our long-time listeners, he's the ticket guy. He's, to everyone else, he's your friend and mine. It's Warren. Warren, welcome back to the show. I nearly fucked up on the intro, but I will keep that in because, hell, why not? It's our first one of the season. Nice to have you back. How are things? Uh, yeah, I'm very well, thank you, Keith. Thank you, as always, for having me back on the show. You know what? Uh, um, you know what a huge supporter I am of the show. I am still an avid listener, and obviously, for those that are familiar with the show from back in the day, you will remember me from my several rants about Andy Townsend and Chris Sutton, etc. But no, it is always <laughs> good to be back on the show. Um, you did nearly fuck up your intro. Um, I feel like we should rerun it and you should fuck it up. It doesn't feel quite right you getting it right first time. Um, but it's no. a new season. Everything's it's changed. A new, yes, Everything's it's changed. A new, it has indeed. We have a new lease of life, both professionally and within the club, I guess. But uh, no, fantastic <laughs> to be back. Fantastic to be back on the show. Uh, looking forward to giving uh, some of my thoughts about you know the season so far and the summer transfer window and that and yeah, getting a few things off my chest at the same time. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Well, it'd be great to talk to you on all things Chelsea. I know that since the, we've started, we've had a few of the player interviews and thank you everyone to those who have listened to the show, who have watched the show on YouTube. Just a reminder, a little friendly reminder, we are now on Amazon Music. So if you have an Alexa, you can just shout out, Alexa, play that bloody podcast with the two people ranting, or if you're other voice, Other voice-activated speakers are available. Oh, of course. But we are on Amazon Music, we are on Spotify, we are on YouTube as well, so catch us on these channels as well, and find us on the likes of Twitter. Oh, excuse me, sorry, not Twitter. X, load of crap. Instagram and Facebook. Facebook, we've got over 13,000 followers. So thank you very much to everyone who has subscribed have, to us. I have noticed Facebook. that. And I have noticed that as well. And I noticed that there are 
um, fans of the club and supporters of the show all over the world, as far as Australia, America, and various yes. places and various places in between. And you know, obviously, like I say, I am an avid listener of the show. I am an avid, active supporter of the show as well. And with regards to all the player interviews and everything, it's probably not something you get told off very often, Keith. But you are doing a fantastic job. Some of the players that you've had recently, I mean, Terry Feeden, for example. I mean, maybe not everybody associated with the show and who listens to the show, maybe more modern day fans, won't necessarily be particularly familiar with Terry Feeden. Maybe they had to do a bit. Of, maybe they didn't have to do a bit of research because he was on the podcast and he told you. But maybe they was a little bit unfamiliar with him. Whereas for me, he was one of my favourites. At left back, really, really quick, really dedicated really good footballer the the standard of guest has always been high but um yeah just thank you very much i i really enjoy it i know all the listeners do as well and just keep it going well we've got one more this month and for those of you that are unaware of who it is it is former chelsea star peter rhodes brown now he's not a mickey mouse player he played over 100 games for the club Mm -hmm. so that tells you everything you need to know about him of many many players that were maybe better than him, has not played 100 games for the or club. Or more, more household more names. household names, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. of course. So if you like our interviews, thank you very much. If you like to listen to them, we have got the archive versions. We have got players from the last 30, 40, nearly 50 years of Chelsea. Six, six, well, nearly 60 years. I'm nearly sure 60 Ron, years. I'm sure Ron Chopper Harris signed his first professional contract in the early 60s. I would say 60 plus years you're going back. Pretty, yeah, well, he was our first. He was our first. He was player our first. Yes, he was. Wasn't yes. bad going, Ron Chopper Harris. What not, gentleman? Not bad to have him as a first player interview. So, if you like the interviews, check back on our archives. Have a look at the other players that we've got. There'll be some that you may be familiar with, others that you're not. But believe you me, these are very, very top interviews, and we will have some more between now and Christmas time. But. That's the pleasantries out the way. Now let's go with a little bit of bad news, a little bit of having a talk about, not a football club, but more of a circus. We're going to talk about the current day Chelsea. It's nice to talk about a bit of nostalgia as well, but we'll talk about the current day circus at his Chelsea Football Club and the way that Todd Bowley, our esteemed owner, or esteemed majority owner of the, of the football club, is running things. Uh, Warren, before we talk, dis- dissect the results that have been going on for the past couple of weeks at Chelsea and the amount of money spent and the fact that we pretty much, you know, paid for Brighton to be alive for the next 100 to, years. To re- I was going to say, to refinance the city for the next decade. Pretty much, yeah. And what's been your take on Todd's <laughs> tenure at the club well, and the way things have developed into the shit show that it is now? Well, I certainly think there's a lot of aspects and variables to it, and I think that a lot of them are overlooked sometimes. I think on the face of it, you have to you have to look at things that are pretty obvious, and a lot of it seems like really desperate spending. A lot of it seems very random. A lot of it seems to be like well-intentioned, but doesn't have no thought about it. So, like, and what I mean by that is, so buying, you know, I'm, I'm just going to name a couple of players, right? So, like, Mudrick and... Casado and Lavia and you know one or two of the other sort of like Enzo Fernandez and that now great players very good players a lot of potential glad that we signed them and the thinking is is to go and get these young talented footballers it's kind of similar to what Liverpool have been doing under um 
they're American. Is it the Fenway Sports franchise mm. people? Um, they're called something else. They're called GSP or something. Some, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 I forget like that. that. Yeah. Anyway, the, the, the Liverpool American owners. Now, their model has been to buy players young and either mould them into world-class talent and win things with them or make them better players and sell them for more money. Right? That has been their model. They've never spent beyond their means. They've redeveloped their ground. They've redeveloped their training. But I don't know we're looking at our ground and we've already got fantastic training facilities. But we're kind of like trying to take a model from someone else, which is fine because it works, right? But then you have to implement it correctly. And Bowley feels like a 12-year-old playing the latest football manager game who's got the cheat code to start with a billion. Like, that's how it feels a little bit to me. Now, only time will tell. So judgment has to be reserved. Okay, you can immediately judge it by judging it on the face of things. Of course you can, but there's obviously layers behind it. You know, there's the whole signing people on longer contracts, which is great to spread out the payments. But then if Casado ends up being a load of shit, we've got a player for eight years with an option of another year that we've just spent £115 million on. You know, it, 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 it's, it certainly seems very risky. And also another way that we're going to be able to justify spending this sort of money with FFP financial fair play is by selling our academy players because it's pure profit now we got very good money for lewis hall but yeah did i did i want to see lewis hall go without even being given a chance even if we got 35 million for him which is good money and that's pure profit we haven't had to spend 15 million on him and then 6 million in agent fees and all the rest of it so it is pure profit so from a financial fair play point of view it kind of makes sense but i didn't want to lose lewis hall i didn't want to lose Mason Mount. I think that, that that's a. I think that that's like almost a subject that deserves a podcast on its a show on its own. The Mason Mount debacle. And I believe the, the truth will come out. Yeah, I mean, I I I I certainly am not one to uh, reserve or hold back with my thoughts. However, there's a lot more at play there. Whether it's Mason or the club's fault. Um, mm. I was leaning more one way at the start, and now I'm kind of leaning more one the other one at the minute. But I don't want to say anything now because, like I say, it's similar to what we're saying here with the Todd Bowley tenure um, and his time at us. That only time will tell, and as you said there, maybe the truth will come out. But yeah, it's been it's been very erratic. It's been very random. It has been very exciting. <laughs> you, you know, it's you know, it's it's as much you know. Obviously, financial fair play makes it slightly different, but it's kind of like when Roman Abramovich come in. I mean, I want to go to games now and do what we done. Like, I remember going to Molyneux in, I'm going to say 2003. It was definitely 03, 04 season, um, and we won 5-0. I think Crespo That's right. Got Crespo got a couple. Lampard might have got a couple. I think Duff, Duff. got one. Yeah, mm. Duff got one. Mm. And we had um, million-pound notes with Roman Abramovich's face printed on one side and the Chelsea badge on the other. And we was just throwing around, we got loads of money. We got loads of money. And everyone hated us for it. And we loved the fact that everybody hated us for it. And that actually made Chelsea a tighter team and a tighter community. Then Mourinho come in and really gave us that sense of us against the fucking world. And it ended up being one of the most amazing things for our club. The fact that everybody hated us and the fact that we loved that everybody hated us. Mourinho saw that. And being the genius that he is, and that he especially was 20 years ago, he played on that, and he made us a club. And that's where our winning mentality comes from. That's why when we have bad seasons, we win the Champions League. That's why when we have bad seasons, we win cup competitions. That's why when we 
don't win the league for three years. In that time, we win multiple European trophies and multiple domestic cups and qualify for the Champions League nearly every single year and still attract the best players and still have the best players coming out of the academy. Should I name one of the 67,000 academy players that are playing in a top league of Europe somewhere that have gone through the ranks at Chelsea and not just passed through? I'm not talking about... Harry Kane was looked at by Arsenal and had a trial for three days and now they try and claim that he was sort of like part of their academy and they rejected him kind of thing. Not like that. I mean, somebody that spent a substantial amount of their development at the club. Our very own co-host, Milan. Well, He was at Chelsea when he was 16. Very, very good. Very, very good example. Yes, indeed. The the net spreads far and wide, clearly. Um, So, yeah. I mean, I suppose to, to, to sum it up in the last year, it has been very exciting. I do think it's going to take time, no matter what way it's going to go, whether it's going to fail, be somewhat of a success or a massive success or anywhere in between. I don't think that we're going to really have the answers for a long time. I think that we will be... The the risk is the repercussions, because the repercussions are absolutely immense. Like, you know, I mean, Todd Bohe could be immortalised in Chelsea history in the same way that Roman Abramovich is. Or he could be the person that tore Chelsea Football Club apart and we have to become Chelsea AFC. Which is, by the way, when you call yourself AFC, that's because you've been, you've basically taken over another club and created it. Right? So Wimbledon AFC is a good example. Um, not a lot of people know that. Not a lot of people think that AFC is just in some people's names. It's not. It's when they've been reformed. Um, so yeah, there is that kind of risk. Now, I've said on the show many times before that I don't care about that risk. If we go down to League One, I would probably attend more Chelsea games and talk about Chelsea even more and fall in love with Chelsea even more again. Now, that's not what I want, really, because... I'll see you at Westview. There's Well, you'll see me from the Westview. You won't see me in there, thank you very much. We have already established that if I was to win, for example, tickets to the Westview, then I would exchange them for somebody directly without any other monetary uh, value being involved. I would swap them for a seat pretty much anywhere else, but really but the shed. <laughs> but, but the shed or Matthew Arden, really. The shed for me. You know that I'm more of a... I love the, I love the Arden. I love oh, the what Arden. about the new dugout seats? Well, he's turned them around, didn't he? Yeah, well, he's... he's Pochettino's Pochettino's turned turned around, around, but there's yeah, now yeah, a new hospitality ticket whereby you can get the dugout seats behind the actual dugout they were going for over a thousand pounds against Liverpool that's less than I thought see the thing is right with that thousand pound right let's say that it was a thousand pound I wouldn't begrudge paying that in a way right for one game let me explain it's a very, very unique experience. You're never going to experience anything like that. It's an opportunity that you'd never get otherwise, right? However, would I pay Chelsea a £1,000 for that honour? No. If I was at a charity do and there was an auction or there was something of that nature, then yes, absolutely, I'd pay a £1,000 for that ticket. You know, if I was if if I was in a position where I could spend a thousand pounds, and I'm sure I could find a way <laughs> to convince my missus, um, not tell her, move out, or um, your bank manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my ba- yeah, no, I'd be fine with that. Um, but no, my 
I, I would spend a thousand pound on that ticket. I think that ticket is worth a thousand pound. I just don't think that Chelsea should charge a thousand pound for it. I think that 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 seat should be for the parent of the child whose head mascot that day or something like that. There should be another way of doing it, or it should be a competition to raise money for charity or. You know, or Do it should be a Make-A-Wish make yeah. make Foundation or something of that nature, you know. So, however, that was a bit less than I thought. And I, like I say, there's a, there's a situation where I would pay to do that that would be a fantastic experience but no yeah obviously like we're not going to get into the whole corporate side of things and the ticket oh no no i mean we've we've done an episode on that yeah 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 we've done an episode on that and people can look back through the archives for that um it was interesting because that was before Bohe, wasn't it? That we done. Yes, that? it was. Yeah, it would have been under Abramovich yeah. still, wouldn't it? Although it yeah. was during Abramovich's tenure when he like he wasn't physically running Chelsea. He wasn't. He wasn't attending at, matches. He yeah. wasn't attending. He wasn't in the country, was he, for a long no. time? Which is when a lot of things started to change at Chelsea, hmm. and our recent period of success has been smaller in terms of the number of trophies that we've won since he wasn't allowed in the UK, if you compare that to the 10 years before, there's a, there's a direct comparison in how successful the club were and how many clubs were better than us season in, season out. So um, I still think we're, so, we're going to suffer for a long time for not having a brand bridge. That you, you look at Alex Ferguson at Man United, I know that's manager and an owner is different, but you look at how long he was there and then all of a sudden he left and they're still not back on an even footing from that. Now, we're talking about our owner. Hmm. It's a huge it's the culture here. of the club. This is the biggest the, the transitional the period. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is the biggest transitional period in Chelsea's history, I believe. And I, and, and that is ahead of a statement. If I mean, I know that you do, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do as well. But for those that don't, maybe, you know, and a lot of it will be in the archives of our podcast. If not, it's easily researchable on you know, search engine stuff. But, you know, you talk about Ken Bates coming in for a pound. You talk about when Rona Bramvich took us over. You talk about other times that we had money troubles and the whole debacle was saved, like Save the Bridge, Chelsea Pitch owners and other ty- various other times through history. I mean, we've gone through two world wars. I mean, you know, there has been periods of, like, you know, adversity as well. But I still believe that this is bigger than all of those. And... It's gonna. I, I believe it will make or break the club. It's either going to set us up for the next 25, 30 years of, you know, always being a top Premier League club and consistently qualifying for Europe and consistently being linked and indeed buying the best players and bringing academy players through. I still feel like, and, and this is the thing, that Chelsea is such a massive club that we can still draw the attention of the most sought-after property in terms of players in the world and in the Premier League, everybody still wants to join us. I can't like it's only the Kaku that's ever fucked around <laughs> and Bogard, but um, <laughs> but everybody still wants to play for us. Liverpool tried to buy Fernandez, Casado, and Lavia. They're all at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. You know there was rumours of Real Madrid and Barcelona wanting people like Reece James, Chelsea captain. You know people still want to play for us. The best players still want to come to us. They still want to play for us. So. Um, we've got a great chance at being successful. But what do you make of it, Keith? Like That's the thing. I, I suppose I'm on the fence about it. At the moment, I am still of a position where nobody can tell me that anybody's actually really done anything wrong and anybody's actually doing anything to fuck everything up, right? So I'm on the fence. I'm 50-50. Like I say, this, this is 
make or break, but I don't think we're going to even have a clue of the answer any more than 50-50 for another five years. What are your thoughts? I've said it for a while that the old Chelsea under Roman, and again, we talk about the culture of the club, the philosophy of the club. There was a time where second best wasn't good enough. Both playing and from the manager's point and from the ownership point. And from effort and contribution and mentality, it was all there. Now, it's a joy to be up there. Oh, it's a thrill to be part of the elite. No, 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 no. That's not what I want my Chelsea to be. Now, the old Chelsea, where we were competing season in, season out for European Cups, for league titles... The, the you know the Premier League races that we used to have with Man United, who was the better team, Man United or Chelsea? You'd have the Man United at their proper strong peak with Tevez, Rooney, and Ronaldo. Do you believe that team three. was better? Do you believe that that team was the best team that Man United assembled under Bergs? One of the strongest, but I mean, I think. Ter- I think in terms of Chelsea, though, in terms of what we were up against, because we broke the barrier. Well, that's what I mean. Well, that, well, that, that's what I mean. Well, we well this is what I mean. Barrier. Well, this is what so, I mean when I say that which one do you think was better? Because you got the Arsenal Invincible team, and we put them to bed for three or four seasons in a row. Like literally, they were just so far off of being anywhere near our level. And then we went up against, I think, the best. Yeah, the best Man United team. That team of seven, eight, and nine that won back to back. Ferdinand, and even Gary Neville was still a good player then. Um, I, but even pe- people like Michael Carrick and Giggs and Skulls yeah. and oh, I, I just think that the philosophy has changed. And the I identity. Just, it's the identity. It, it, this it, is it, exactly, the identity. This is what we spoke about when Bowie came in. I think it was the second to last time that I was on, oh. um, and, and I said that you know. I, I, Chelsea lacks identity and that, that a lot of that comes from the fans you know I mean we being as successful as we are we are going to attract an awful lot of newer fans that have not necessarily been associated to the club for a long time don't necessarily have they might not come from non-support football supporting families and things like that and blah 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 and people are just getting interested so you know, you're bound to be more interested in Chelsea and Man United and Liverpool's because they're near the top. So we are going to get this influx of fans that have no association and no affinity and no history with the club. And when you when you get a large enough group like that is when you lose your identity. I think that Chelsea, from a fan base point of view, essentially lost their identity. Uh, started, I started to notice it probably about 10 years ago. And I would say for the last six years, it's been a real problem. There's a real toxic element to our fan base sometimes um, aimed predominantly at Chelsea Football Club. Now, now don't get me wrong. Chelsea is a public entity. It's out there to be bashed and people to have their opinion and people to knock it and people, well, people to say do it in the media every day right, of course right, Sky, of course. I mean, talk sport. So, social all, media all time, social yeah. media social media right it's you know if, if you're not happy about something then you've got a right to slag it right and then you've got the people that pay to the games pay to go to the games and do they have the right to voice their anger and their opinions yes of course they do absolutely of course they do but there's a fucking time and a place and it's not in the public domain. When you go away to a game, you should support your team. Now, if they 
do something like what Tottenham done against Newcastle last year, then that is an extreme circumstance. Yes, you kind of have the right to walk out and to be really annoyed and to chuck your ticket on the pitch, right? You've got a right to do that because that was just, that was a disgusting performance. Like, I don't think I've ever seen Chelsea play like that. Like, that was unbelievable. Um, so I get that, but because they have no, like I said, they have no history and no affinity with the club beyond these last couple of years of buying buying themselves their new replica shirt with whoever on the back and everything and blah blah blah. They they don't they don't know they don't know the pain of losing. They don't know this. They don't know that. They don't understand what it means to be a Chelsea fan. They, there's a thing called the Chelsea love, the Chelsea disease. They say it's unexplainable. We used to have one of the elite sets of fans in the country. Was we the most amazingly well followed? No, but not many London clubs are that amazingly well followed because there's so much competition in such a small space that you can't get enough fans together in one go. That's why Northerners seem to follow their teams better because they're further apart. But yeah, it's just like you say, Keith, it's just that identity. I think that Chelsea are having an identity crisis and it started with fans. And I think that because of the identity change and the fact that Chelsea are no longer, I would say, feared amongst the big boys. And I'm t- big boys, I'm talking about the likes of Madrid and Bayern. No, we're not. Because when we, when, it, when we play them, we find a way to try, we try and play to stop them. When we used to play Barcelona, yes, we used to stop them by being physical, right? But that's because we were just playing our game. Yeah. We just played our yeah. game. We bossed the game. We run over them. Now we try and stop teams. But when you talk about the fan base, I think the worst part is that the expectation has never been so high. So a defeat to West Ham, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, people are pissed off. I was pissed off. You was probably pissed off. Our whole podcast team was probably pissed off. But the comments and the reaction is that's not that's not a sane football supporter. When you, well, when, that's you that, hear, well, yeah, that... when you hear comments about oh Chilwell shit, he shouldn't be in the team. Pochettino out. You know, what's Silver doing? He's too old now. Yeah, yeah. Come on. I mean, these are the same idiots that were slagging off Zola dur- during the summer earlier when they were talking about who's the greatest of all time. And someone yeah. mentioned Zola. Well, I saw like, an Instagram. I, I saw an in- Sorry to cut you in there, Keith. I saw an Instagram and it was on a, it was on a Chelsea fan page, um, social media page on Instagram. I, I, the, the, the the name of the channel actually, or the page actually escapes me now. I'll try and remember it. But somebody put up there like, oh, Chelsea all-time 11, right? Now, everybody I mention has a right to be mentioned in this team of 11, right? So there was Czech and Azpilicueta and Terry um, Silva, Thiago Silva. Um, there was Ashley Cole, good shout. Um, and then there was, you know, there, there was there was Lampard and there was one or two other players and, like, you know, Hazard was there and Diego Costa was there and things like that, right? That's an interesting now, one. Okay. Now, 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 not only could I mention 20 players from the last 20 years, I could have said Drogba and Carvalho and Balak and Essien and Paolo Ferreira and, you know, like they're, they're, there's endless amount of people. But I said, I said, this is the issue with modern-day Chelsea fans. And I just put, Wise, Tamblin, Harris, Webb, Bonetti, Dixon, Drogba could name 25 others that you've probably never even heard of. It's fine that somebody picked 
Fabregas ahead of somebody else. It's fine. World-class player. Love Fabregas. What a magic hat that man had. What a fantastic... I'm not going to argue that he could be one of the greatest Chelsea players ever. Like, I'm not. But it's just the fact that these people didn't even know who these people were. Like, how many... Like, so and they would have... slag off the person who has said... Dixon. Oh, I got I got an amazing amount of view. Do you, and this is what I was this is the point I was going to make, right? Do you know what somebody said to me, right? <laughs> and I will get the screenshots and we'll have to post it on our social media, right? We'll have to block out the person's name because they deserve privacy because you know idiots can't, you know what I mean? They deserve. Oh it. yeah, we're not into that. Yeah, not yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's not their fault, right? But a guy replied to me, "You need to do your research," and I said. What on? He said Lee Dixon never even played for Chelsea. Oh, what an own goal that is! That's bad. I took it upon myself to stay calm. That's bad. Wow. Took it upon myself to stay calm. Went on Google, typed in Kerry Dixon, got his stats page from Wikipedia and Chelsea and blah blah blah. And I screenshotted it and I went to him privately on Instagram messaged him privately on Instagram. I said, you know what? I don't do this very often, but I'm going to be really kind and not embarrass the shit out of you in front of... No, to be fair, there was about 12 comments. <laughs> so it weren't a lot, but I was like, that's who I meant by Dixon. He was like, oh, I never even knew who he was. And I said, no. And that was my original point. The fact, if you're going to talk about Chelsea's all-time greatest in history, unfortunately... Because of the modern day football fans, what other football fans say about what other clubs said, what the other clubs say about Chelsea? The, Chelsea was formed in two thousand three. Yeah, and the trouble is, to seventy five percent of our own fans now, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was. Um, well, we're discussing about supporters. We will get on to the reviews and rants. Don't worry, folks. But there was a video on X, and it was during Chelsea during preseason. And there was a couple of guys, and they, I know they were younger than us. I wouldn't say they were 12, 13, but they were, I would say they were adult age. They were 8, 19, Of 20. drinking age. Of drinking, drinking age. age. There you go. And in, in America, it, it's 21. So 21. I, would say, I would say it's drinking age, right? And there was a video of them, and they were, the shirts were, shirts were battered, put it that way, battered and torn, right? But I'm already kiss- like I'm already liking these guys. <laughs> they they were kissing the badge. They were going Chelsea, I love you, Chelsea, I love you. This is you know blah 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 blah. And I made a comment about what they were saying because they were saying you know Chelsea's the best club in the world. We've we've had some great players. Blah blah blah. You know I I love watching Chelsea live. I love being here. You know Chelsea should play in America every year. They probably do. Oh, they American chaps were they? These were American, right? Oh, right, okay. I then put a comment about would these guys have been Chelsea supporters if it wasn't for the Russian money? Or maybe they started supporting them because of Bodic. Well, this is it, right? My comment got hounded on X by saying that I was against Americans, that I was racist... That I my comments were deemed. Was it xenophobia? Is it xenophobia? Is that what? So it is? yeah, but about oh, you know, I'm I, I was ageist. Somebody actually called me ageist. 
to say that you know I shouldn't be against people supporting Chelsea. Well, they shouldn't be. A- well, they're being agents but against you because they don't know how old you are. My opinion: it was a case of well, I'm not against those saying I love Chelsea, blah 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 blah. But no, I just not. I just put the comment across because there are new type of supporters now that. You can sense it on them. You can. You the can sunshine shines out of Chelsea's ass. It's not a real world. The, the thing. Yeah. The thing is, modern day Chelsea fans can be very much likened. And you know, I'm not going to get into like politics or anything like that. If Chelsea if just, lose, they want the talk... manager out. If Chelsea well, lose, the then Chilwell's modern... shit or Silver's what, shit. The biggest. Is... The biggest problem with modern society is that people don't live in a reality. They live in their own little world that they've created for themselves, and they think that that's just how it should be, right? And they don't actually live in reality. And being a football fan, I know this sounds like unnecessarily deep and like or whatever, but like being being a football fan, you have to. It, it, it is reality. You have to live in the real world. You have no control over it. And if you make a choice to support a football team, you should support that football team. But they don't. Most Chelsea fans these days, I don't think genuinely support the team. I think that it gets to the point that they enjoy us losing for the attention more than they actually enjoy us winning. Because this, they can like, get views, all they this can get, get clicks. And... All, this, all this, yeah, that too. Yeah, absolutely, that too. But like this thing with Pochettino. Now, I said at the time, am I, con- if, if, you know, I was asked at the time, am I convinced that Pochettino is the right man for the job and he's going to come in and be successful? No. Am I convinced? Am I absolutely 100% sure? If somebody said to me, is he definitely going to win things? Mourinho come in, I thought he would win things. I knew Ancelotti would win things. I thought Lampard would win things as well. I thought Tuchel would win more than he did. Um, There was a few managers I weren't sure of. Obviously, I didn't want Benitez. I was never convinced by Di Matteo. I was never convinced, even in the beginning, by Andreas Villas-Boas and all these risks that we try to take by getting these by doing things like the correct way, trying to go abroad and get a tick attack of man, young manager who's like up and coming and doing all this and that. Again, trying to do something that wasn't really within our identity. Our identity was to have established players and hopefully one day be able to bring those players through the academy. But we bought established players that were good players that knew their jobs, that done their jobs and that was it. They were there to win fucking football games. And they weren't there for any other fucking reason. They was there to win football games. You've heard the stories about Terry throwing tables and John Obi Mikel around the dressing room at half time when they're winning one nil. <laughs> like they weren't playing well enough. They weren't doing that. Like that's that 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 was the identity of Chelsea, which is obviously not so much there anymore. But am I convinced of Pochino as I have been convinced of other managers in before? You know, before time has tailed in the past. No, I'm not. However, do I think that he was probably the best option available at the time, realistically, yes. I don't see who is a who is a better fit. Somebody who's been in the Premier League, somebody that's taken Tottenham to Champions League finals and qualified for the Champions League more times than any other champ, uh, Tottenham manager, as I would I would hazard a bet at. Um, you know, oversaw the introduction and development of people like Kane and Son and, you know, Lloris for a long time, um, as well as, you know, a plethora of other, like, very good footballers as well. He, do- he doesn't mind bringing a youth through. I think you've seen that with Medwecki and Chikua Menka and Gallagher. 
and, and giving James the captaincy, I mean, I, he is very willing to give young people a chance. And yeah, I'm willing to like really give Poch, Poch a chance. And by really giving Poch a chance, the amount of money that we spent dictates that we have to qualify for Champions fucking League, right? It is, there has to be some kind of immediate success in terms of getting back to Europe's elite league, right? We have to do that for financial purposes. If we scrape fourth this year, don't do great in the Cups, but scrape fourth, but there's progression throughout the season. If you can see it getting better and the football's getting better and we're getting better at the back and the signings starting to make sense and more players come back. I mean, James being injured all the time and Cuckoo is going to be a huge part of our lineup and our formation and our attacking threat as well. I like the look of Jackson, by the way. I think he's really puts him... He, he looks keen. He looks... Do you know what? He, he just looked like he was giving 100% in both games all the time. It looks refreshing right. up front to have a striker yeah, yeah. that wants Look, to well, To have a striker. To have a striker. Yeah. To have yeah. a striker. Thiago at the back. No one in attack. Chelsea going to win Champions League. Like, I mean, come on. Like, even we was laughing at it. Mm. Right? But, he de- like, so I'm not fussed about, yes, I want to challenge for everything. And yes, I'm going to be gutted if we go out of things. And I'm gutted if we don't, when we don't win the league or whatever, blah, blah. But, I see this season as fucking hell getting the Champions League and you've had a massively successful season. And if things are progressing and we've started playing better and things are calming down and things are getting a little bit more stable, then yeah, like you've got to support him. But we don't know whether he's the correct manager again. We won't know for a while. We won't know. like Unless it all goes completely wrong like it did for Tuchel and Lampard and Potter and everybody else that came in and tried to have a go. If it's going like that, then yeah, obviously... There's fundamentally things so badly wrong that we'll probably never recover from it. But if it gets to February and we're fifth, two, two or three points off a of fourth, and we didn't do well in the League Cup and we've just gone out the FA Cup and we didn't have Europe anyway, that's when we sack managers. We can't do that anymore because the reason we could do that was because we had an established dressing room. We had an established backroom staff. We had an established owner. We was an established elite club with established players doing what they do week in, week out. We don't have that. We need to build that. And the way that we can build that is by not doing what we've done in the past and sacking managers and bringing them into an established club, but getting a manager to establish a team. Then we can start in a few years' time, thinking about changing things. He has to be given a chance. And success, unfortunately, and I've never agreed with Arsene Wenger on this, but in this situation for Chelsea this season, getting in the Champions League is success. Arsene Wenger said qualifying for the Champions League every year is being successful every season to the point that the managers should be safe in their job because they've done a great job. Right? That this season is true for Pochettino. If he can get us in the top four, he has done everything that would be needed of him this year. As long, like I say, as long as the team is progressing and it shows signs of getting better and, you know, we score some goals, score some penalties, be good. Um, well, let's not have Enzo take any penalties. That'd be a start. What well, have you made of the game so far? Because I know Liverpool at home was always well, going to be a bit tricky. Li- I personally thought, was interesting. I personally thought we should have won the match against Liverpool. I didn't actually rate Liverpool that great, to be honest. I thought that they're on the decline. But the first half and even the second half, we showed some positivity. We, there was something there that me and you have not seen at Chelsea all of last season. And there was a little bit of hope that was coming out. I was on of the edge Chelsea. of my seat. I was on the edge of my seat a couple of times, which I wasn't. You know, it was just a. It, it was a game that told us a lot. 
despite the fact we didn't win the match. Yeah. West Ham, Sunday just gone. It was the first time in ages, in a long time, I was expecting to win. Because yeah. I'm thinking, we've got the squad. The Positive squad is on a high. We've just brought in two decent midfielders that have got world-class potential. Not, not going to say they are going to be world-class, but they've got it's world-class cost, potential. Us, yeah, it's cost us £175 million for them too. I hope one of them is going to be our good. And I'm thinking West Ham, they struggled last season. They're missing Rice. They're missing their best player. They might be on a little bit of a downward spiral. We should have won. We should have won the game again. And Sterling, I'm not his biggest fan. I thought he had the. I thought he had his best game for the club. You were on Sunday. Ten minutes before kickoff, that he shouldn't even be in the team. I did say ten minutes before kickoff, he shouldn't be in the team because I think what does he offer? But he but, showed, yeah, but he showed me anyone, against West Ham. What did anyone offer us last season? Why? No, nobody offered us anything last season. Why but should I think... anybody be in the team? None of them deserve to be. A lot of them have got well, some of them were based on last Some of them were new players. Time. So, you obviously, you've got to give what, them like game Sterling? time. Like Sterling? Well, no, Sterling's had 12 months. But, but last the... season, we're talking about last season. I said last season nobody was any good. And you said, well, new players. Sterling was a new player. No, I'm talking new players now. I'm talking of the new um... players that come in this season, like Sanchez, like Dizazi. Who now you're pe- being nitpicky with your... Who fans. people are now so calling a disaster, which I find, a, which I find wow. a bit harsh. But... Gusto was good. Maybe. Like, I don't think he did majorly. I thought Carney did very well, obviously, before he... And I thought when he yeah. came off, that changed the game for us because you know we were missing was? that little link you know between a midfield you know and attack. Was? Our problem was all of our good stuff was down the right-hand side and we had nothing down the left. No. We because for, was, for some reason, and I'd love to know, and I'd love to see Poch actually come out with answer it, Chilwell was playing as a, an advanced winger and Carlwell was playing yeah. as a wing back. I don't get that. Why? He didn't do it pre season. Well, Carlwell's not a wing he back wants anyway. Three at the back. He, want, he, he wanted the. I don't ball. mind three at the back, the but you at least have a bit of a fundamental base on what you can do because that tells me that he hasn't got no confidence in his left winger. Now, I know Nkuku's injured. No, and if Nkuku comes back, then that's going to be different. Tells me that he doesn't have any trust in Cucurella. Well, no, Cucurella needs to go, but... That's where he's meant to play. I, well, no, but that's where you've got Chilwell. I, I, there's no way Chilwell was going to be further forward and then Cucurella's a left wing back. That would just be insane. But I, the, the West Ham game, it was one all. Enzo misses the penalty. And why is he taking penalties? I don't know. He's, he was never a penalty taker for Benfica. I don't recall him taking many penalties... For for club level anyway, why yeah, is he so taking maybe, them? Well, maybe it was it was a it was a ludicrous decision. Let Jackson take the bloody penalty. Let, well, I was surprised that I said I, I'm I just don't Jackson get it, and that changed the game because I knew then West Ham were going to have the chance to get another chance, and they were going to score. They go two one up on Marv, and even when they went down to ten men, we had all the ball. But much of last season came to a pass on Sunday. We didn't yeah. do nothing with it. Especially that second half. We didn't do anything with that ball. And it was frustrating, obviously, to watch. And people, rightfully so, were frustrated. Because, yeah. that again, we, we played well in two games. Comparing what we had last season, we played well in two games. Yeah. So, I 
you know, all this anger and frustration. Yeah, I get it. I, I was pissed off. I didn't want to watch football at all Sunday night, and I didn't. I was watching something else. But I see progression. Slowly, slowly, but surely, I do see progression yeah. in terms of how we are playing. Now, we... Casido coming on for his debut, I thought was wrong. I don't think he actually should have come on, personally. He looked rusty. He didn't look like yeah, he was he ready to play. No, he and he made mistakes. And I thought it was, the wrong... it was the wrong time for him to come on. He gave the penalty away. Yeah. He sh- he should have His debut should have been against Lewin. Yeah, but that's that. That's my opinion. But uh, yes, we haven't won yet. But and and I've said this on my column. I've said this um, on on other channels. There are three worse teams than us in the league, so there is no worries about. Oh, we might be fighting off we're relegation. Gonna, I did. Well, I did. Gonna, I did sort of say it as a joke as well. Listen, I said it tongue in cheek. No, I I said it tongue in cheek because of because of the people. Yeah, no, I know. No, because of the people overreacting and saying, oh, you know, we're spending all this money and Todd's this, Todd's that, Potch is this. But it is worrying when you spend, when you spend the best part of 12 months, it is a little bit worrying. It is worrying. What I will say is the Liverpool game, right? Now, the first 25 minutes, I thought that was going to beat us 5 0. Right? They was, because they was getting the ball at the back. We were too open at the back, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that. We were too open in midfield, right? Yes, and they was getting the ball. And they was making two passes, and they was bypassing five or six Chelsea players, and they was running at three at the back, like Diaz and Salah and um, whoever else was, I don't know, um, Jotto, whoever. Um, and they was tearing us apart. Now, Potch changed it. He changed something. I'm not quite sure what he changed. He must have changed someone's position slightly. But then we got the goal, and then we went 2-1 up, and obviously it was disallowed. A big moment, obviously, Salah's goal being disallowed as well, rightly so. Yes. Um, but after that, yeah, we looked pretty good. And I thought if anyone was going to go on and win the game, it was going to be Chelsea. I thought Chelsea looked more likely to win the game. And also, it was a similar story with West Ham. That we, yeah, we did look the more likely to win the game and we looked more likely to sort of create chances. But we didn't really create that many chances. And we looked so... I mean, that first goal that West Ham scored, the header at the back post, I think that's the worst goal that Chelsea have ever conceded. Oh no, I can think of a few. It was bad, but I I, I, I can think of a few worse ones. Nobody even challenged him. He just stood there, free header, and headed yeah. the ball in. Like yeah. he didn't he didn't even make a move. It was just yeah, that was bad. That was really embarrassing. Then Casado's obviously made a bad mistake when he's come on and given the penalty away. Like you say, Fernandez penalty wasn't very was really not very good. And not that I'm claiming this technically, it should have been retaken because thingy bobber is it. Um, Sochef or Such, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sochef, he technically encroached on the uh, pitch and on the penalty area and cleared it, but I don't want to try and claim that because it didn't put anyone off or anything. So, and he didn't really have an. You're talking about a two millimeter head start, so he didn't really have an advantage either. Um, so, yeah, like very dis. I was disappointed not to win the Liverpool game. However, I felt more positive than negative after the Liverpool game. Yes, the West Ham yes. game. I'm hoping wasn't a reality check. I'm hoping that we've got some games coming up now, Luton and Wimbledon and a few other games that... You know, we got Forest as well on the second. Yeah, I think we've got yeah. Forest. And have we got like Burnley and someone else, Sheffield United? Uh, let me check the fixtures while, while, while we're at it. So, yeah, um, so you have a look at that, but I know that we've got we've got favourable fixtures. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully we can okay. get our 
squad fit and scoring a few goals and winning a few games in the next five or six weeks. Um, and yeah, see where that takes us. Like I say, at the moment, it's just a, it's a guessing game, really. And this is the annoying thing. It's a guessing game. And like you said, you've got people out there saying, Potch out, this person should yeah. be in the team. Why did we buy this person? All the rest of it. And you can't say that yet. You know, based on last season, you can say that Kukurea had a really, really bad season. I wouldn't be disappointed if he left. Doesn't mean he doesn't actually deserve another chance. And it was the same with Koulibaly and one or two of the other, like Loftus-Cheek and one or two of the other people that have left. You could say that, you know, some of them maybe deserved a little bit more time. And maybe some of them deserved a little bit more time in the team or whatever. But you can still have the justification of saying they've had a really bad season. Yeah. You can't judge people on 20 bad minutes against West Ham, 20 bad minutes against Liverpool. Just to touch on your point with the next games, I just had a look. You've got Luton yeah. on Friday, Wimbledon on Wednesday. Yeah. Surprise, surprise, you can get you can still get tickets for that game, folks, if you want to go to Chelsea-Wimbledon. Um, Chelsea-Forest on the 2nd. We've got Bournemouth away on the 17th of September. And we've got Aston Villa on the 23rd. That wraps up September's fixtures. Yeah, and then it's the international break, wasn't it? Yeah, you've got the international break on the, the 8th of September and then, at, yeah, the uh, at the end as well. So, partly some favourable favorable fixtures there. I mean, Villa at home might be a little bit difficult one, but we'll see. But Well, this is the problem. This is this is key. The, the, the game well, on Friday. Imagine, imagine we just, imagine that, imagine that that's a true statement, what you've just said, that we are Chelsea Football Club and we have just said in our run of favourable fixtures, the one we worry about is Aston Villa at home. When has that ever been the case? Yeah. We wasn't yeah. like I remember I remember John Terry saying that Mourinho used to come in and he'd be like, right, so we've got Liverpool Arsenal United in the next five games. So when we've won all of them and United lose here and Arsenal yeah. draw there, which I think they will, we're gonna be eight points clear. But it weren't like, oh my god, we've got three really tough games. We've got yeah. Arsenal away, Man United away, Liverpool at home in the next three weeks or something or whatever. But it wasn't like, oh my God, that's a big game. It was like, when we won them games, we'll be in a position where we're going to be massive favourites to win the league. Yeah. And now we say, oh, Aston Villa are playing all right. That's going to be a yeah. tough game. It's like, fucking hell, Aston Villa used to come to Stamford Bridge in a bit of form and get beaten 7-1. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. you're talking about, you know, a, a Stoke and a Wigan team that year, neither of which got relegated. Stoke didn't even really flirt with relegation that year. We scored seven and eight against them, seven yeah. against Villa, and I'm sure we scored seven against someone else as well. Was it Sunderland we beat seven two? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I don't think any of them teams got relegated that season. So that that's what we used to do to mid-table teams. Now we're mm. saying, oh, we fear them, and that it goes back to the identity of the club. But yeah, absolutely, we've got favourable games coming up. We should definitely get. We should definitely win those games. Get a bit of momentum, get fitness in the squad, get Jackson getting a couple of goals, get a more sort of like settled team, you know, now that Casadio and Lavia have come in and there's one or two people coming back from injury. So you won't see a settled side until after the international break. But yeah, I, I, I think that the answer to a lot of the questions will be a little bit clearer after the international break. Yeah. And after we've played one or two games after that, I think that's probably a good review point. But yeah. Who are you worried for in terms of between now and the end of the transfer window for Chelsea players? Because there's some that are still linked with moves away. There's still well, players that we are still linked with. I would um, very much, 
so there's obviously in terms of the squad warrant just to sort of put a bow on this there's obviously something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about with Callum Hudson-Odoi he obviously doesn't want to play for the club or something um he has a year left on his deal I don't think there's going to be enough on the table no well he's going to have to leave and the reason there's not enough on the table the reason he hasn't been playing must be something to do with him either he's the way he's training um, his attitude, whether he wants to play for the club, whether he's been anchoring for a move and asking for it and all the rest of it. There's obviously a reason. So he's like going to go by the look of it. However, I don't really want him to. I still think that we are, if you look at our bench against Liverpool and West Ham, and I know that we've made signings since, but if you look at our bench against Liverpool and West Ham, my God, we've got nothing. I mean, I know we've got an awful lot of good young talent. I'm not knocking the, the young talent that's there, but we haven't got no depth. We've got no second striker. We don't know how most of our centre-backs are going to do if one of them gets injured. Don't trust either of our goalkeepers. Is Reese James going to stay fit? Is the balance in the midfield going to work or do we need more in there? I certainly think we need more forward players, more wingers, especially now in Cooper's injured and things like that. I think that our squad size is going to be a problem this season. Less so, because we're not in Europe. Um, but I We think still our... need a midfielder that can score goals. Yeah, we don't have there. a central midfielder that can score goals. Yeah, I know Saicedo can do that, but from what I yeah, gather, that's not he's, what he's he, no, he's and his stats last season, I think he only scored two goals last season, which I was surprised yeah. about. Yeah, Lavia's not, not a goal scorer. No, Enzo's no. certainly not a bloody goal scorer. We saw that at London. And then, at and then you take Reece, and then you take Reese James out of the equation, and yeah, stuff. So, um, yeah, I do. I do think our squad depth is an issue. I don't think that we're going to be able to get enough players in before the end of the transfer window. I think that there will be signings made in. Uh, January now, obviously next summer. But I think that at the moment, to be to be challenging somewhere near the top, I think that we're 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 at least four, maybe five established players that can just that are like you know, starting lineup, first team, thought to be in the first team. I still think that we're, or squad at least every week and in the rotation and plays plenty of games. We're four or five short of being a top team easily. That'd be a surprise. We need, we need, we've we've we spent a nearly a billion pounds, and you'll we say we're still saying that there's five players short. We, we need a striker. That's insane. We need a forward winger type player. We need a goal scoring midfielder. We need a goalkeeper, and we probably need a bit of fullback backup as well. You know, nothing wrong with Lewis Hall or Liveramento that we could have just had, but. <laughs> Are you sub- just to touch on the transfers before we move on? Lewis Hall, gone to Newcastle. They say it's a loan with an obligation to buy, but basically he, he has gone. He's, he's no longer at yeah. the club. Are worth you su- about £35 million if you pay Yeah. Him. Are well, you I'm... surprised with that? I know I know. Um, Lewis Hall's a Newcastle a fan and his, his family are from surprised. Newcastle. Are you surprised with that one? I am a little one? bit. I am a little bit surprised. I'm more devastated than I am surprised. Um, I am a little bit surprised, but the reason it makes sense is because we make 100% profit on him. Hmm. And there's a set-on clause, and we had the same with Liveramento. We've got the same with Tamori and Gway and Abraham, um, just to name but a few. Um, <laughs> so we have got a lot of these set-on clauses, and they are pure profit. And we have made a lot of money out of our academy in recent years, which offsets a lot of the financial fair play. What also offsets it is COVID. Everyone had a lot more leeway with that, and people still are getting leeway with that. And then you have the fact that because Abramovich was sanctioned, we couldn't re-sign people like Christensen and Rudiger and one or two other players. So when we went out and spent 120 million on defenders last year, a lot of that 
will be essentially written off in the court of arbitration for appeal and all the rest of it if ever we were to get done because we we had to spend that money we had no choice because we was under sanction and that's not right because no no other team is treated the same way so we had to go and spend a lot of money on defenders so that offsets a lot of that um we've got rid of a lot of big wages at the club as well which is going to help um obviously i know they're trying to negotiate good sponsorship deals and everything um so yeah, I mean, we have spent a lot of money, but and with Lewis Hall going, I think that the reason he's gone is because we could get really good money for an academy player. I think that that's what it is. Like I say, that's what the model under teams like Liverpool have been doing for many years, that they buy them young, they build them up to either win them things or sell them for a big profit. And the best way you can do that is with your academy. You can put your best academy in the world by... Far, nobody can even argue with me that I just laugh in their face. Um, then you know they're probably going to make use of that, and you're probably going to be seeing in the next few years players coming onto the scene. And you think, oh, these are all right, and then they go for 20, 25 million or something. I think that you're going to see that in a lot of players until you get the one that's clearly really good, just really genuinely is just world class pretty much straight away, then we'll keep them. I think that we're going to be seeing a lot of that in the next four or five years at Chelsea. Just to wrap this up, because we have already been going for quite a while, and I didn't realise, in fact, that we've we've discussed a lot about Chelsea, and we've, we still haven't covered everything. But in terms of Chelsea for this season, where do you think, where do you believe Chelsea will finish? Do you think Chelsea... We'll have a good season under Podge. Do you think that oh. we perhaps we will take the domestic cup seriously? I hope we do because it'll be good for Podge's um, profile as well. He, he Where did. do you see he, Chelsea he this season, Warren? Well, Pochettino always took the domestic cup seriously with Tottenham. I mean, he never had a chance because he was Tottenham manager, but he didn't really know that at the time. Um, but no, he did take them seriously at Tottenham, and he did play a, a fairly open and expansive game. Um, and he did make good signings, so I I'm very positive. I believe he's very capable. Like I say, would I, I would have picked him without even being convinced of him because I think he was the best option. So I think we'll get Champions League. I think we'll get fourth, maybe even third. Um, I think City and City are going to be really strong, and then I don't know about Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, and all that, but at least one of them's bound to have a good season probably better than Chelsea. So that's why I put us at about third or fourth. Yeah, decent cup run would be good. You know, the thing is with a cup, right? If you draw Man City away in the quarterfinals or even the third round at any point or, you know, an Arsenal or Liverpool or someone like that, if you draw someone like that and you turn up and they just play absolutely fantastically well, you have a really good go. You lose, Say you lose 2-1 or 3-2 or something. You have a really good go. You have a great game. You go out, you're really gutted. But you don't look back on it as a as a loss. No, you do look back on loss, but you don't look back on it as like a real negative thing. It doesn't stick with you because you've had a really, really good fucking game. You should be proud of what you've done. So even if we go out of the Cups early, as long as we've had a real good go and taking it seriously, I can deal with that. Need to get top four. And I believe he will. And then if he does get top four and there is that progression in the squad and football gets a bit better and we get a bit more clinical and it's more enjoyable to watch Chelsea. And like you said earlier, you touched upon it. You went into the West Ham, West Ham game, not just believing that Chelsea are going to win because you want them to so much and you know that they can, 
but actually thinking that they will win. Because you know that Chelsea can win because they've got the talent there, obviously. Every team in the Premier League has. But actually believing that they will win is a different thing. If during the season I have that feeling more often than not, then it's going the right way. And then if we get top four, that's success. And I think he will. Up the shelves. We're going to end on that positivity. I didn't think we would end on a positive note this to, for this episode, but we are going to. Thank you very much for those who have subscribed to our show over the summer. We will be having some top interviews coming up between now and Christmas time. My thanks to Warren, as always, for coming on to the show on short notice. We will hopefully have the likes of Milan Laukovic back on the show and Mark Smith, who's doing his... Best coaching work with the MK Dons. We're going to look forward to to having him on the show. We will be announcing some more content on the show as well in terms of interviews and players' names. But if you haven't already, sign up on Amazon Music where you can listen to us. Sign up on YouTube on our YouTube channel at the Blue Day Podcast. Find us on Instagram at the Blue Day Podcast where we have got many followers now over the last few weeks because of one little video that I took which lasted a mere 30 seconds. So thank you for those who like yes, it. Thanks for all your support and everything. That's been great. Thank you to our followers on X. Fucking Twitter. But all, mostly thank you to our followers on Facebook who are growing by the second. And if you haven't found us on Facebook, why haven't you? Find us on the Blue Day podcast on Facebook where you will join many thousands of followers on our channels. We will have some bigger news coming up as well in the next few weeks. Mr. Mr. Lawrence is looking at some uh, potential business opportunities for the podcast. So more on that as I get it. But between now and then, we hope you enjoy the Luton game and the future games. Keep the blue flag flying, folks. Stay safe and carefree. Sports Social Podcast Network.